Hello, 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 everybody. We are back for another wonderful Monday at Common Sense Uncensored. And as always, I would like to let you know that if you'd like to purchase some GFBS merchandise, you can go to gfbsmerch.com. And of course, as always, follow us on Rumble. If you have any questions or comments, you can call 701-213-0863. And we have a topic near and dear to this old school teacher's heart, as I like to say. I would would really love to see a better education system. And we have Dr. Jean Gullix in the house with us today. Dr. Jean, how are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. Well, I just want you to know that I sent you a bunch of stuff, and I know you've got a bunch of stuff, so it should be a lively program because there's one thing that we both care about. It's education and our children. And I'd like to start off with you telling me a little bit about an organization you're involved in first before we get going any different and bashing our standard system, and that's called Life STEM Academy. What can you tell me about that, please? Life STEM Academy... It's been an amazing experience. Just let me say, we have prayer meetings every Monday night at our house. And in October, I was stopped in the middle of the prayer, and I was, I don't know if I heard or felt, wrap around the parents so the children have a place, safe place to go to school. And so 10 months later, we opened the doors. So Life STEM Academy stands for Learning, Learning Excellence, Learning Institute for Excellence, and Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Of course, we do reading, history, Absolutely. everything. Um, and we are one of three STEM academies that are Bible-based in the country. You know, it, if someone who, who taught community college and took a look at some of the students that came, and I'm, I'm not lumping everybody together, but I would say that in the 20 years that I taught, I watched... A, a large increase happened in the amount of my students who arrived having fully graduated from high school, many of whom went to UND or other colleges but didn't like the atmosphere there because it was too big. But the crux of this conversation is they came to me with very poor, if non-existent, reading, writing, and mathematical skills, yet they sailed through high school. And it, to me, was I actually had conversations with some of them and said, how did you graduate? And they said, well, nobody seemed to care. Yeah, yeah, and we care. We care desperately. We were hoping to have 10 students when school opened, and we got two new ones, lost two, so we have 18, which is wonderful. And we're very blessed with faculty. They're all volunteers, and all but one of them has Ph.D. or master's degree, Professors, doctors, chiropractor, uh, I'm a mental health specialist, nurse practitioner, department chairs at the university. It's just amazing. Well, you know, the the problem seems to be rampant because according to uh, the American experiment dealing with Minnesota, average English math and composite American college test ACT scores among Minnesota's high school graduate class of just 2022 were the lowest that had been in a decade. And the release of the class of 2023 scores reveals new lows for English math and now science as well. So this is a problem that isn't getting better. And in many cases, what's occurring is rather than fixing the problem, we go to see what Oregon did. According to The Hill, Oregon just dropped all graduation standards for their high school 
kids yeah. in the name of equity. So when we have a problem, rather than addressing it, we're just getting rid of the standards. Absolutely. And I was visiting with um, two, two teachers in the Grand Forks public school system, and they said, it's impossible to get a C. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, everyone's getting A's and B's. And the statistics are showing that 89% are graduating with honors on average, not just here, but across the country. Now, statistically, th- that's impossible. That's impossible, unless you're being given the grades. Well, there, there is a bell curve, right? and the bell curve describes the population. So about 50% should be scoring about 100 or average a C. Then you go... 15 higher, and you get the Bs. You go 30 higher, you get the As, and the same going in reverse. What What I think we're seeing is instructors aren't willing to give that grade below a B because of not only the hassle that they're going to receive from the parents, yep. but I also seem to think that it's from the hassle that they're going to receive from administration because administration needs those kids to go forward to qualify for all the federal money, and they don't want anything getting in the way of that, including students not learning. And the more money we have put into the schools, the lower the grades have gone. And they're significantly lower now than they were, well... They're back to 1970 levels before we had all this technology and all this way of learning. But they're lower every year. Every year they've dropped, even from 2022 to now. Um, And we were blaming the pandemic. We were blaming COVID for the drop in scores. And and that was the first really significant drop in high-achieving student scores. So one of the things that we do at our school is paper and pencil. Good for you. Until... They can show us how they solve problems, how to read, because the computers didn't work online that way. Um, And when they put a question in that's wrong, the computer just goes to the next question so the instructors, no one can see what's going on. So we actually um, gave math tests to all of our kids. So our high school kids, we have grades second through college entry right now. Okay. So 9, 10, 11, 12th graders got the end of sixth grade math test. Not one of them passed it. Wow. The sixth, seventh, eighth graders, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders got the end of fourth grade math test. None of them passed it. The highest score was like a 62%. The younger kids, second through fourth grade, got the end of third or second grade, depending on how young they were, and one of them scored an 85%. So these are you, kids... This that, isn't the pandemic, because this is no. long-term. And these kids, they were in public school or Christian school or a combination of both. Some were homeschooled. Um, some came up from a different state. So we have a real mix of kids and the different learning styles. And I gave them the test, and I watched them, and right away one of them said, I can only answer one question Two or three of them put their heads down. So at the end, I said, this was not a test of math. This was a test of your attitude, your lack of motivation. You're giving up before you even turn the page. So we're going to do it again. <sighs> Groans. Yeah, well, but... But we had to. We don't know where they are if they try hard. You know, that's the other thing that I've, I've seen uh, with my students as I, as I worked with them over the over the years or the decades that's scary but but the deal was was that they're they're the not only were their 
skills down, but their motivation. Mm-hmm. They, I actually had a student who I flunked, and he said, "You can't flunk me. I paid for this course." <laughs> so I went, "I went. Well, that, that's your that that. Nope, nope, wrong." <laughs> I said, "That that doesn't mean you didn't get a lot for your buck." I said, "He goes, well, I came to class every day." I said, "Yes, you did. You didn't take a test." You didn't do a project. You sat in the back, and you did nothing to participate in this entire venture except pay the bill. And he said, well, it, I did that all through high school. I said, well, this isn't high school, and I'm not that teacher. Yeah. And he was really put out with me. And he appealed, and the appeals group came to me, and I explained the situation to him. And I said, unless you want to fight me, I'm not passing him. And they went, we don't want to fight you. And yeah. I went, this is good. Yeah. So, but, but that was the attitude, was I don't have to work. Right. And so we spent the last two weeks on character development. Because if, you, if you're not self-motivated or you can't allow yourself to be interested or motivated and you act bored you're not going to get anywhere. And this school operates with what we call the five C's. Okay. Christ exalted, so we start every day with chapel. You don't have to be a Christian. We have non-Christians there. Character development, which is hard to teach, but most important for getting an academic degree or whatever you want to do and getting the career you want. Content mastered. We're not just passing you on because you can't multiply and you have a calculator and you can. Now, I have nothing against calculators. My own son had learning disabilities in math. Calculator allowed him to progress in math because he couldn't memorize Ta-da, it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that, there's a place for it. Community built among themselves, among the community. What kind of volunteer projects are we going to do? Um, oh, I can't think of the last one. I never can, but um, <laughs> it's just as important as the others. But anyway... In North Dakota, grade point average is a D across the board, the overall ranking. And the academic standards is a low C. Yep. Okay. But now the grade point averages have gone up. So we have 89% honors students, but the academic performance has gone down and the scores are worse. Yeah. Everybody's a valedictorian. Of what? Uh, I'm famous for saying the standard bar has been dropped, dropped so low it's underground. Yeah. And so it's real easy for everybody as a parent to think that, well, my child's an exceptional. They're getting all A's and B's. To which I say, do you realize what they're getting A's and B's for? And I think, actually, I bless the pandemic in many ways, for the simple fact that it forced a lot of parents to sit down at the table next to their child, listen in on what the teacher was saying, take a look at the tests and some of the paperwork and stuff. And I believe there was an epiphany amongst a bunch of parents who went, what the hell is going on here? Because this is ridiculous. Yep. Yep. And since then, homeschooling has just skyrocketed. I I think it's three to four times as many homeschoolers in 2023 as there were in 2018. That's huge. Enrollment is down across the board across the United States, but it's especially down uh, in many of the, uh, uh, like Minnesota and the breadbasket states where we're all supposed to be so smart and hardworking, and we tout that all the time. And I'm going to people, um, wait a minute, that's not what's happening. Yeah, so this school is actually a hybrid, so it's under the homeschool okay. um, policies because the parents are ultimately in control. They, 
what classes their, te- their kids are going to take, how they're going to tutor them. So we wrap around them and give them two days of homeschooling in our school where there's masters to help them. Good. Uh, they can come the third day for self-study or some electives. So they're getting French and they're getting art. Um, so you're 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 taking care of a lot of things. You're you're making sure that they're mas- mastering the STEM, you know, the science, technology, and everything else. But but you're also looking at things like you mentioned character. And when I was teaching, because I taught business, and businesses, you know, I'm a I'm a capitalist, but business is a great place to test someone's ethics and character, because obviously there's a lot of corners you can cut in a lot of various ways. And I always used to say to my kids, ethics is what you do when no one's watching. No one's going to applaud you for doing what you did. Yeah. And the only person that's going to ever know it occurred is you. Yeah. And we did two weeks, so six pretty intensive days on character development using the fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. A lot of activities, teamwork activities, um, fun things that they could do. And we started playing chess with the little ones loved it because they were told they probably weren't old enough to. There you be go, in a chess challenge tournament. them. So they said, "We're going to show them." Good for you. They started playing chess like it was World War Three. I killed your king. I killed your pawn. I I said, "Whoa, chess is a gentleman's game, you know, or a gentlewoman's game, and there's rules, and you have to be quiet, and you have to be good winners and good losers." And three weeks later, I went in the room, and these three young boys. Grades, early grade school, were playing chess. I didn't even know they were in the room. It was very quiet. The one lost his king, and he said, good game. Yep. And I thought, we're making progress. You know, that just warms my heart because uh, failure is a great motivator and a great teacher. I've got to do my very first profit margin here for oh, for heaven's cakes because there is nothing better than treating yourself to some good homemade baked goods. And that's where oh, for heaven's cakes comes in. You'll find the best cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion or just a treat. Walk in and find out more, but I'm warning you, not only won't you want to leave, you're going to definitely be leaving with your hands full. And Oh for Heaven's Cakes is located on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall. They're open Tuesdays through Friday from 10 to 4, Saturdays from 9 o'clock to noon. Call 701-757-CAKE. That's 701-757-2253. Or you can go to O for Heaven's Cakes at yahoo.com. And you too can be a beautiful cupcake in a world full of muffins. O for Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall. It's amazing to me that not only are we failing our kids in the academics and the character portion, but we're, we're failing in teaching them coping skills. Yeah. Coping skills are scream and shout, push the other kid. Um, go in the corner and pout, but make sure everybody knows you're miserable. And so that has to be taught. It's not automatic. If they haven't grown up with parents who teach them coping skills, you know, this snowflake thing is real. Yep. Melt at the slightest look. These kids were, and they're nice kids, and they're from great families, but they're standing in the hall calling teachers mean. That's not respectful. You don't get that option. Yep. So I can imagine that they tell their parents that they're mean. Yep. You know? So we've taught them what authority is. We don't use our 
first names, we have a title in front of it, doctor or miss or mister. Um, because we have to set ourselves apart. We can't be their best friends. Yes. And when I'm counseling, so many parents are worried about making their children mad. <laughs> yeah. First of all, it's the child's choice to be mad or not. Right. It's your choice as a parent to discipline them because with discipline, character grows. If this child is raised as king of the house, they're going to expect it. They're going to want it. They're not going to care about others. It's really sad to see. And then when they get to be 9, 10 years old, they're mouthy. They don't like mom. They push her away. She's usually the one that gets most of that. Um, so we're teaching discipline, respect, and that includes rolling your eyes. That includes slouching. That includes huffing and puffing and sighing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing of what you said because when I taught, I said I can't be your friend. I have to be your teacher. Mm-hmm. Once you graduate, we can go out have beer, whatever it takes, because they are adults. Yeah. I said, but it, it, right now you have plenty of friends. Mm-hmm. I have to be a teacher because your friend's not going to go smack upside the head. Snap out of it. Yeah. So I have to keep that distance. And most learning takes place in a disciplined classroom. Yeah. You know? and, and I said, I am, I am the queen and this is my kingdom. So you can be as offended. You can be as whatever as you want to be. Come to me. Let's talk it out. Yeah. Let's, let's discuss what's going on and how it can change or, or if it will change. But this, ultimately, this is my space. And they have to be consequenced. You know, I realized after the first two weeks, they weren't bringing their assignments back, they weren't bringing their notebooks in, and nobody was asking or talking about it. So I had a couple faculty in-services where I taught the faculty, because they're used to college students, that when you say bring something, you have to make sure it's there or there's a consequence. So in, in the elementary room, there's a whiteboard and they get points for certain things but they're not allowed to touch the whiteboard. So three times in one day, Mrs. Dietrich went in and told them, you're not allowed to write on the whiteboard. Well, I found out, so the next day I went in and told them, you broke the rules and there's consequences. So one girl wasn't there. I said, so you lose your points. So Mm -hmm. I erased all their points. And they had a lot. And they're like, how dare you? How dare you? And one of them started to cry. And I said, when you're told not to write on the teacher's board and, furthermore, not to add marks to your own score, there's a consequence. This is her property. You did not have permission. So when I was all done, I said, okay, what was your score? What was your score? What was your score? And I wrote them back up there in numbers instead of marks. And I told the teacher, I said, you may have the option of keeping their points or starting over. It's up to you mm-hmm. because I think they get the point. See, and that's the thing. We've, you can actually see it in some of the things like that happened in Portland and Seattle and other places where if you scream loud enough, if you burn the building down or whatever, and our, our politicians followed the form by saying, well, we just have to let them get it out of their system. What the hell? No. It, it, in the schools now, if a child throws a fit, throws a chair, screams and yells. They take all the other students out of the classroom to leave that child alone doing his thing. Oh, hell no. 
they do. <laughs> oh, I'm I know, but I know, I know, but but uh, but I'm I'm saying, oh hell no, because <laughs> oh. N- n- so what does that do to the students who? Uh, there are a lot of them there to learn. Sure, you know there are a lot of advanced students that are working on the AP stuff and doing really really well and ignoring as much as they can the other stuff that's going on. So you take them out of the classroom, they lose their hour, and the other kid wins. Yep. And they grow up to be adults that do the same thing and expect the same treatment. Mm -hmm. Because I yelled louder or I fussed more, I will advance and everyone else will have to stand around me. Paul, which which microphone? Number four. Got it. Just really quickly, because my daughter, uh, she goes to public school, and she said that that's true, that they do take all the kids out. Don't you think that that's actually even worse? Because doesn't, doesn't that put that one kid that's in the room in a position where they're like completely embarrassed because now all of the other kids are looking no. at them and saying, hey, they're because of, of you. Hill. They're king of the hill. And, and what kid doesn't want to leave the classroom and not do math worksheets? So they get rewarded. For it. Yeah, you would think it would be the opposite. It isn't, though. It really isn't. And I understand because they got what they want. They disrupted yep. everything, and they're, they learned that disruption pays. Oh, I have a boy that I, that I work with privately who dad drops him off. He was in fifth grade when this happened. Dad stays because the rule is if he walks into school and throws a chair or anything dangerous, he gets to go home. It takes him 30 seconds to get in the school, throw a chair, and go back out to his dad and go home. See, that reward factor versus the punishment. And you can't even say the word punish anymore without no. someone looking at you like, you can't even how say dare discipline. you? Yeah, discipline. Uh, I was told uh, when I was teaching, because I, I was in the bookstore buying red pens, because I used red pens. Imagine that. And she says, oh, you really shouldn't be using red pens because that makes them feel bad. I said, they're supposed to feel bad if I'm using red pens. You don't want to see the red pens. You are supposed to not see red when I hand a page back to you. If if you want to excel and you don't wish to see red pen, do better. Don't just have me change the color of the doggone ink. Yeah. It's it's amazing. You know, the, the parents that are homeschooling, Doubt themselves because they, they haven't do. they haven't done science or math, especially in the technological stuff, for a long time. Yet their kids in general do score around eighty five percent in the public school. Kids are scoring around fifty percent nationwide. So anything I can do to encourage them to stay involved with their kids' education and get them into a safe environment is what that's our goal. Well, and the problem I have too is, is is I talk to a lot of parents and they tell me, oh, that's not happening here. But Mayport CG, the superintendent told the school board administrators and teachers that they're having chronic absenteeism. Attendance has become a major issue in our schools. We've seen a huge increase in the number of kids that we would classify as being chronically absent, that students counted as absent 10 or more times during daily attendance checks. It used to hover well below 10%. Today, it has soared into the low 20s in the past year or two. And he said, well, we're hearing the words mental health a lot, and they've actually also earmarked $6,500 in the budget to pay for mental health services. But what I have to say is we, we have a lot more of a problem than that. We have kids that either aren't valuing an education, so they're not showing up, or there's something else where they know that even if they don't show up, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, and their anxiety is so high. That's the number one thing I see with new referrals and with with clients that come to see me. Um, Their anxiety is so high it makes them physically sick. So we've got migraines, we've got stomach aches, we've got diarrhea, we've got vomiting, especially on Sunday evening, Monday morning, um, middle of the week, because they can't take it anymore. And so they're diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. But what they're really, which they need help getting through that, because it's crippling. If you have panic attacks, it's devastating. But they need to learn how to cope instead of... I'm going to have a panic attack. I need to get out of here, which is what they do. They don't deep breathe. They don't. I was going to say, and you know, uh, I'm not a parent, but I was a child and I was a boy. Was I a, a crackerjack of a kid? And the one thing I will tell you kids are very good at, including those in their 20s, is manipulation. I was just going to say. <laughs> I'm not that I'm commenting for myself, but I would like to say that we're pretty good. And they know that they're not being. They can't be disciplined in the schools. And a lot of the parents are exhausted, don't have time, don't take the time, don't have the support systems that we used to have. You don't have neighborhood kids playing, and you see what your neighbor Jane, how she disciplines the kids. You see how this person does, that person does, and you can visit with each other. Now they're isolated. Well, and to be honest, when I grew up, I didn't have to have my mama around if I did something bad. No. All I needed was a neighbor mama. <laughs> and there was always one watching. <laughs> because because um, Lavina could take care of me just as good as my mama. Yeah. <laughs> and it was universal. And then once I got home, Lavina had been in touch with my mama. So yeah. she continued to, to handle the situation. It was a neighborhood yeah. uh, character control issue. Yeah. And now the parents protect their kids from the neighbors and the grandparents. Yeah, that was going to be my question is, um, so if you have a a child and let's say they have a friend that's a bad influence because that child, their parents just let them do free reign on whatever they want and then you don't want your kid to be associated with that kind of behavior, but they're their friend. I mean, how do you address that? You make your place so wonderful that they all want to spend time there. So when they're in your yard, in your house, and you don't have a door on the rec room so you can see in there what's going on, and you've got uh, badminton or soccer or crochet, uh, crochet, croquet or yeah. games that they haven't played, they think it's wonderful, and they gather there. And I learned that from my mom and dad. I did, too. because We, they we, made they our were. little yard yeah. the neighborhood spot because they knew where we were and who we were with. Yep, my mom did the same thing, and my, my little under five foot tall Italian mama, um, she had a wooden spoon, and uh, she y- you learned really quick that. And my dad, my dad's favorite phrase was, "That's one." Yeah, you mind too. <laughs> and he <laughs> often would go to three. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one. That's, that's one, three. That's one child. And, and, and so I mean, what I what I've learned to understand, including at college level, was kids actually like. Discipline, not abuse, discipline, because they understand when there's parameters. When there is no parameter, there's that constant push, how far can I go? Yeah. That I seemed, I saw that in college even. Yeah, and that's even, the research supports that. You know, the the parent who has standards and maintains them has a child that does better. The teacher who has less chaos in her classroom has better learners. My favorite teachers were strict. 
because it was quiet and I knew what was going to happen. I wasn't afraid of the other kids running wild, you know, because you could study. Yeah, I was a nerd, but... Well, yeah, there's a lot, plenty of that going around, Gene, just so you know. My sister, (laughs) I was too. But that's okay. And the spice of life is, as we like to be, be told all the time, diversity. But what... When I see people talking about diversity, they're doing everything but that. They're, what they want is clone. Yeah, they want everyone to be the same. Okay, I got one more question. Go because ahead. Go, going back to what you said, you know, you make your place the fun place. Mm-hmm. Well, if, like, let's say, you know, you can have uh, kids come over to my house and they play basketball mm-hmm. and, you know, they can do that. But at the other parent's house, they get to play Call of Duty and they get to have pizza and pop and get all that kind of, all the stuff that they want. Then how do you persuade them to come to your place that is a better environment, but they're getting everything that they want at the other house? They think they want. Yes. I was going to say but that. They, good. they get crabbier. They get angrier. They get headachey. They don't feel good. But they come to your house and initially dad comes out and plays hoops. That is very cool if it's not your dad. Sometimes it's okay if it is your dad, if he's good at it. Then you give them pizza, and you give them pop once in a while. Um, then they want to be there because they crave outdoor physical activity, and they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. They also, I think, in, in many ways, crave that adult contact. Yeah. Because uh, I know my kids were in their 20s and stuff, but... I was told when I started teaching, the, the one thing I was not supposed to do was touch the kids. I'm going to get right back to that because that's important. But the first thing we're going to do is do another profit margin break for Churchill's Shoes. Take it away, Paul. Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SaaS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. Okay, thank you. Churchill Shoes is having a sale, so check them out. All right, uh, I was told not to touch the students, and believe me, I understand this because I just saw where another one who was a school counselor uh, just was uh, arrested for having sex with a 14-year-old, so I get the point here. But the, what I was trying to say is uh, there's a difference between Touching and touching, and, and that sounds like an oxymoron, but I would give my kids hugs. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing was, even after they'd graduated, they would come back to visit me, and the first, could I have a hug? I, I'm seeing a lot of our young people are starving for a human connection, yeah. and especially for a human connection from an adult. And because we have the rules like don't touch the children, to me, I could be wrong because you're the expert, but to me that makes them more susceptible for when there is grooming and yeah. an issue with somebody whose hug isn't the right kind of hug. Right, because they associate 
they associate touch with love, with someone accepting them. And if you don't touch them or don't accept them in their minds because you can't touch them, yes, they'll go to someone that will. That's absolutely true. Um, we were at a football, uh, basketball game last year, I won't say the school, in the region, and um, my daughter-in-law couldn't even get in the building because the kids were at the front door fist fighting, and there was a ring of teachers and two security watching. Oh, my Lord. You know, and that's out of control. It's harmful to the kids. It's harmful to the people coming in the door. It doesn't teach anybody anything. So, you know, separating... My cousin literally just separated two kids in the hall. Yeah. He was arrested. Okay. That was about 10 years ago. In our school, we asked the kids, can I give you a hug? And Yep. Absolutely. Every one of them. They come up to me for a hug. Yep. You know. I understand. Even if I'm the mean disciplinarian, they'll come up to me for a hug because they know where they stand. Well, see, and that's, everything's gone just so Weird. Um, that's the only word I can describe it as weird. And this is why we're looking at things like uh, the average U.S. enrollment is expected to drop 5.1% in public schools because we're, we're doing everything, uh, quite frankly, ass backwards now. Yeah. And they're getting $14,000, $14,330 it costs to educate a student in Grand Forks. Yep. And they're not getting anything for their money right now. But... Um, Yeah, money doesn't buy character in education. Well, and see, that's the one thing that always bothered me because it was, of course, standard at my college as well, which is we're just not spending enough or, or we, we need this grant so we can fund this and we have to fund that. And, and, and it was, I'd be, I was so frustrated because I said, you know, I could teach in a closet if I had to. Yeah. It's not, is it nicer in a facility that's bright and shiny? Of course it is, but it's not the necessity. The necessity is getting the information into the students so that they can comprehend it and go forth and do whatever it is they need to do with it. And we seem to have, we seem to have learned to associate bright, shiny, and new with accomplishment. And it's It's not. not. It's not. It's sterile sometimes. But a lot of the students, well, we're running on a sh- yes, minus string. a shoestring. Right. We don't even know where the rent's going to come from every month because um, we, fig- we don't have a marketer. We haven't figured that, that piece of it out. But So we don't have fancy. We have used bookshelves. We have white tables. You know those six-foot-long white sure. tables with folding chairs? And it's working. Now I hope we can get a little more equipment and stuff. But the faculty are buying equipment. One of the doctors bought two brand new microscopes because he's teaching biology. I mean, that is so amazing. But see, that's that's the way a community is supposed to give back, where they're raising everybody's property taxes and demanding that we give to education. That's not working because the money, in many ways, is going towards more administration, uh, bright, shiny school buildings, mm-hmm. more parking spaces. It's not the community investing the community is being forced to give money but the community's not invested in the schools anymore at least the way i see it yeah and and we don't really money doesn't go with the student here so if you go to one of the christian schools which are the private schools in, in the grand forks area the money doesn't go with you the money 
I think stays at the public school, but I'd have it to does. Double-check it does because yeah. they tried. They 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 did. They tried to do a bill in North Dakota, and it was absolutely shut down because the the teachers unions and everybody else could not have that tax money leave the district. It was absolutely verboten. And my husband and I are childless. We have paid to put a lot of kids through school. All right. And I've often said this, you know, as a teacher, I see the value of an education, but as a taxpayer, I'd like to be getting a little better return on my investment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the return on the investment is coming in smaller classrooms. It's coming in this hybrid format where the parents have to work or want to or do work with the kids two or three days a week, and we work with them two or three days a week. And so I might say second grade, but he might be at fifth, in the fifth grade level reading and maybe second grade math or writing. So the education is very individualized. Yes. But we're keeping them with age peers, because that's what they need developmentally. Correct. And then we have projects where the high school kids are paired up with an elementary kid. And, wow, they have fun. Well, when we did group work in in class, you you would watch, because I'm I'm an observer, and I would watch the kids. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And when you'd you'd watch the kids go to the groups and and start to work, you could watch where they would... Take, take everybody's strengths and utilize those. The weaknesses would be incorporated. And, mm-hmm. and they learned how to teach each other. Yep. And they learned a lot through those group sessions, which is why I utilized yep. them so much. Because teaching is one way of getting the material down. We have, we have some kids that have learning disabilities, nonverbal learning disabilities, um, social skills, difficulties, kind of out-of-sync kids. Sure. And I put them in leadership positions at times, and they just blossom, you know. And the kids respect them and start talking to them, and they're there because they were bullied, a couple of them. You know, but now they want to be on their team. Well, we were talking before we started the recording, and we were talking about the fact that uh, today I believe schools are teaching more often students what they can't do than what they can do. Because I have been listening to a variety of things where uh, I can't buy a house. I, I, I'm no longer capable of getting this type of job or that type of job. Things are so much more hard than when you were young. They've got all of these excuses and all of these reasons why they can't do something. And we're no longer teaching, just go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I asked these kids, imagine that you could do anything you wanted, anywhere in the world, money was no object. Five, four out of five of the younger kids said, play Nintendo. So I was like, play Nintendo? You can do that now. Well, we're not allowed. We only get a few minutes. Good job, Mom. Yeah, thank you. Good job, Dad. So they want to play Nintendo. Well, the kids that aren't monitored... The phones, the Nintendo, the whatever you want to call it, PS, Playstations, they are actually physically changing the brain. So the pleasure center in the center of the brain is getting larger, the me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. I want to feel good, I want to feel good, because every time you do something, you get points or something happens. The right temple is where rage and anger 
come from. And it's growing. It's actually physically growing compared to the other size. Seriously. Seriously. And we're talking more than two hours a day of competition games. I'm not talking about looking up a word in the Webster Dictionary online. Um, And so the human brain, the front part of the brain, doesn't even mature until they're 25, around 25 the rental car companies are the only ones that got it right. You can't rent a car until you're 25. <laughs> so you can't think like an adult very well. You're, you're impulsive. You have all these issues going on. And now this is teaching you to not think, to just do whatever feels good. Well, I was watching this thing, and there's this guy that's a big, big guru in, in tech. And he was talking about AI. And he said, you know, I'm, I think it's dangerous. And he said, here's the reason why. When I was in school, I took a a program for Greek. You learned a year's worth of Greek in six months. And he said what what, what the deal was, was at the end we had to translate a paragraph. And he said, I got a paragraph of one of the most difficult Greek philosophers to, to translate. And I worked and worked and worked. He said, I worked days and hours upon hours, and I thought I finally had it right. And I went to the professor, and the professor said, you almost got it, but not quite. And, and he said, this is, he said, I learned more from that struggle and that failure than I would have, because he said, today, I would be able to go to chat GP or whatever, or an AI, and go, all right, translate this for me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the word just spills out. We, he goes, that struggle that I had to, to learn. And, and then when I went to the professor, and the professor said, ah, God, you were so close, so close, but not quite. This is what you missed. He said that was humiliating, but it, he goes, not humiliating. It taught me humility. Right. And he said, that struggle has stuck with me. He says, and I can't tell you how many decades it's been since I've been in school. And he said, it taught me that you have to keep working. You have to work. And he goes, now you just plug it in and AI writes it for you. And you don't remember it or know what you've written because you don't reread it. But if the brain doesn't fight through some things, the brain doesn't grow. So AI, I don't know the good and the bad. I know some of the bad. The bad is the brains are going to go on vacation, and they're not going to be able to think. They're not going to be able to lead. They haven't had debates. And some of that's going on right now, even in, even in uh, classrooms where they're not allowed to debate. But a butterfly has a caterpillar. They have to struggle, struggle. and struggle. If you open that before they're ready, they die. They can't fly. And it's the same with our human brains. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mention it because we have chickens and we incubate eggs. And the cardinal rule is you don't help a chicken out. Yeah, yeah. They, have, they, get, they gain the strength to survive by busting through the shell. And I've told my students this up front. I said, you know, I've had some great successes in my life, yada, yada, yada. I don't even keep any of the trophies and stuff I've won from debate or from my, my, my powerlifting or whatever. It, it means, yeah, it was nice. It was great. What I carry with me are my failures because I learned I don't like that feeling. Yeah. That feeling isn't good. And, but it's essential 
to make you grow if you don't fail. And right now, one of the big trends, of course, is we don't fail we don't anyone. Fail. Right. And so they go on thinking they're doing well. They graduate from high school. They flunk out of college, even without the admission standards, because there's, they still can't do college math or read at that level. They certainly can't discuss literature and oh, get a Lord, lesson no. out of it. Um, a lot of them can't even tell you the character in the story. Teacher reads it, asks them two minutes later who was the main character. They don't have any idea. If they're not working through that, how are they going to lead the, this nation? How are they going to? They're not. No. They're not. So fortunately, we do have some kids that learn for learning's sake, you know, but not enough. Well, and we're taking that away from them. And my last profit margin break is for executive properties. And I want you to know you're supposed to call them for snow removal now. Are you still putting off that project around the house that's been bugging you forever? Do you think you can wait until spring and call a contractor and have the work done ASAP? Well, good luck with that. Executive Properties has openings right now to get that project done. In fact, you can check out their Google reviews. Diane says Executive Properties did a roof project and remodeled a bathroom in our house. We were happy with their quality of work, and the projects were completed in a timely manner. We will use Executive Properties for our next home project. Get that project done sooner than later. Call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. Once again, make sure you've got a snow removal project planned out. Call Executive Properties because it's, it's melted, but it's coming down. Um, ah, the worst feeling for anyone is feeling stupid is a comment that came across. What do you think mm. about that? You're, you're, the kids that feel the most stupid are the ones that fall out of the chairs, that cause laughter, that scream out of the room, whatever they can do to distract. So a rule of thumb, don't call on a child to read unless you've talked to them ahead of time and you tell them, I'm going to ask you to read this paragraph on this page. If you don't know they have a reading disability and you call on them, they're over. They're so mortified. They don't even know that everybody else doesn't know, but they refuse they become belligerent, they end up in the timeout chair or out in the hall. So, yeah. Well, and I can relate. Uh, we were talking about math and I'm dyslexic. And I remember in junior high, we were doing math problems and the guy was doing math problems on the board, my teacher, who, by the way, was a huge ass. And uh, uh, the, the, they were trying to come up with the answer. And of course, he called on me and I got the answer wrong. So what's he do? He gets me out of my seat and brings me up to the board. And I, of course, keep coming up with the same wrong answer. Right. And so what he decides to do is belittle me. Mm-hmm. Well, not only did I hate math before, Boy, I am 68 years old, and I've got to tell you, this girl still hates math. Yeah. And do you know what? I was probably maybe 12, 13 at that point, and do you know that's still crystal clear in my brain? Oh, yeah. You know exactly what he said and where you were. And there are still kids who are punished, not disciplined. They have to stand at the board. Um, well, I don't know now. Ten years ago, it was still was happening, the discipline. It has to be... It has to match the crime, and you have to know about your students. So if someone tells you, here's your classroom, I'm not going to tell you what their What's learning going problems on. are until you figure it out. By then, you've lost the child. And well, you I'm know, very sensitive to that because of yeah. years and, of working with kids with well, and, difficulties. And I understand because, like I said, uh, let, 
to this day can't stand math. Just yeah. absolutely, and I, I absolutely, Bruce, my husband knows because I do the books, which is sort of ironic, but it's, it's just like, Argh. and it took it. To, did I overcome it so that I can do it? Yes, yeah. but that feeling has not gone away. Right, right. And we had kids. We handed these math tests out, and they said, "I can only do one problem. I can't do this. I'm not going to use math anyway." Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I actually, I actually said that. I actually said, "I will get rich enough to hire an accountant." Well, here we sit. Oh, well, we have Madeline Rose, who says, "Not knowing you have a disability, then getting called on your mistakes definitely shakes you to the core," and yeah. it does. It does. It really does. And fortunately. In my, in my practice, I've been counseling, working with mental health, working with learning disabilities for 40 years almost. It's getting more open. But I just diagnosed two adult women. One was close to 60, one was 55, close to 60, I guess. And big tears because I knew I wasn't stupid. I could have done this, I could have done that. And I treated them, and they both were almost giddy when they talked to me because they went to a church function and they visited with people. They had their dishes done before they left the house. They were on time for the first time in all those years. And their friends weren't making comments except, wow, what have you been doing? Because they're used to feeling like the class clown, the klutz. The... So it's sad. And, and, and that's not just ADHD, that's no. anxiety, depression, whatever. But ADHD is missed more often than others. Well, but part of the other thing that I do believe happens is, especially with the lowering of the standards, um, you, you get a sense of accomplishment, not by having someone tell you how great you are, but by doing something you didn't think you could do. Right. And therefore, what we seem to be producing is a bunch of insufferable little people that think that they're invulnerable and can't make mistakes versus people who are understanding that life comes with mistakes and this is how you fix them. And again, in my opinion, we're going about it ass backwards. Yeah, definitely. You know those participation trophies they yes. started giving out? Yes, oh Lord, yes. When my kids were like six, seven years old, everybody who went to the tournament got a trophy. Yep. My kids would come home and throw it in the garbage. I said, what did you throw your trophy away? It's not a trophy. Everybody got one. Well, it's not honors. Everybody gets it. It's the same thing. Well, and they've eliminated valedictorian in a lot of places simply because you can't have 12 valedictorians or however many everybody's got A's in a, in a class. And so the value uh, of being excellent to me has been taken away. Yeah, and there are, there are many professions where if you're not excellent – the buildings fall down, the bridges collapse. The planes fly into the ground. So the engineers, fortunately, have kept admission standards. I don't know about the other professional degrees. That's a professional degree I'm very well familiar with. They have kept their admission standards because you can't be off a sixteenth of an inch. You can't mix up chemicals the wrong way if you don't measure accurately, whatever the case may be. The world would fall apart, literally. Well, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, you've got t kids at, at learning levels. You may have a kid that's in second grade but reading at a fifth grade level, so you allow them to go. And 
School does not do that. Public school does not do that. Even when I was young, I, I went into school reading very well. Yep. My mom read to me as a child. I learned how to read and comprehend. And so when I was five and six, I'm reading Treasure Island, et yep. cetera. And I had comprehension. And when I got to school, you can imagine my dismay at CJ and Run. Right. I, I, was, I was not amused. But I was not allowed to advance or to, so I'm sitting there bored out of my freaking yeah. gourd. And then what happens is I'm, I'm written up for behavioral, behavioral issues. issues. My grandson was in first grade and in December, he told the teacher he had read all the books that were assigned. And she said, well, I guess you've read everything you can. He said, no, I can read more. She didn't have anything to give him. Fortunately, his mom and dad had Thank a lot God. to give him. But to tell a first grader you've read every book you can. No. See, see, that's that's the thing that that dismays me so much. And and everybody out there is going to say, well, that's not our public school. Uh, that's not my child. I, I would advise you to take a deep dive yeah. into what is occurring at your school, including our small town schools in North Dakota, because North Dakota's, even though our our lovely superintendent loves to tout how great we're showing in statistics we're not doing well we're setting the bar low we're removing standards we're lowering standards we're erasing them and it's all in my opinion because of the almighty dollar because of the dollar and because uh, everybody has to be the same and that's not how god made us you know bless you because i have attended so many diversity in services as a teacher where it wasn't about diversity. It no. was about uniformity. Yep. Yep. And the kids see through it, you know, um, and they don't like it. They're either held back or they're pushed ahead or they're blamed for somebody else's failure. They know what they need. They know they need to be challenged. Even though they might balk at it, they do it. Well, yeah, I understand. My my students, We every year we did a... a marketing management project that quite frankly is graduate level work we would take a business or a nonprofit, and we would take them and go right on through and write them a marketing plan from stem to stern we took it the whole semester and worked on it and then at the end we compiled and presented and um, it was it was quite a chore and when we started I'd say all right here's the deal kids I've never done this thing on bison before either I have no idea what we're getting into. It's you and me. But we're going to get through this, and we're going to do a hell of a job. So hang on, kids. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but we're going to get through it together. And I meant it. I've, yeah. I've never investigated a bison or, or, or operation before. <laughs> much. Can I write a marketing plan? Yes. Have I ever done one for bi- no. no. But we're going to make that. And they would be like, oh, my God. And i said, just hang tight. We're going to do this. And they did it. And they liked it. Yeah. We don't we don't challenge anymore, and we don't we don't push, and uh, I'm frustrated. And they don't debate. They don't know how to. Well, apologetics is about supporting your view with facts, with the truth. They don't know how to do that. You know, one of my favorite um, Bible teachers said, "You can't say Genesis is true because, unless you know what the because is. Why do you believe what you believe? And that's in anything." Well, I used to, used to tell them as well. I said, you know, you can you can quote a, a fact at me, but I need to know why you say the fact is occurring. Yeah, because f- facts 
are nice, but you need to have the logic behind the yeah. fact to have the meaning come through. Yeah. Otherwise, all I'm seeing is a bunch of numbers, and we already know I don't see them right. <laughs> right, and, and that's what happened during COVID. The, the facts were not true. Yes. You know, the facts and quotes were not true because they skewed. We have a, about four minutes, three minutes left, and I'd like to talk to you about that. Not COVID, but, but the fact that we are no longer teaching critical thinking. Right. We're, we're, we're teaching, well, it's the science. The government says you must listen rather than pay attention to what's occurring right in front of you. Yeah, and it was a perfect campaign of how to get people to buckle under and do what you say. And there's, there's articles out, there's research that shows what was done and why people followed along without thinking. Um, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's starting again. And these kids don't know how to argue their point. They don't know how to think. So we're working on, you know, we read some literature, and then what was it about? Why is this? Uh, fa- uh, fables and uh, fairy tales are good teachers. Mm-hmm. Fables especially have lessons yes. in them. They do. You know, so let's read a fable and let's talk about it. You know, I was aghast because I, I read where I belong to a conservative teachers group online and one of them had To Kill a Mockingbird pulled from the classroom as required reading because it wasn't relevant. Not relevant? That's an interesting reason. Wow. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. It was banned by Biden. I have a whole, I went out and bought as many banned books as I could find before they were gone. Dr. Seuss is among them. Yeah. yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird, Gone with the Wind. Yep. Uh, Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry of Finn, Tom of course. Sawyer. Classics, <laughs> classics. It, it amazes me how, in my mind, we're going backwards. I was explaining to my students that Blazing Saddles, one of the best commentaries on racial divide, oppression, wrongdoing and stuff could not be made today. And because everybody would be offended, they, mm-hmm. they wouldn't get the point. The point. Yeah. And because we're not teaching those skills, they look at the literal mm-hmm. versus the message, the message because we're not teaching them to discern. Yeah. So we're te- the older kids read up from slavery, um, Douglas, what's his name? I know who you mean. I can't think. Yes, I, hope I know. I Amos isn't listening. He'll be just mortified that I can't think of this guy's name. Um, ben Fra- Autobiography of Ben Franklin. Yep. You know, these people didn't have it easy. They no. had to fight through it. How many times did they fail to light a light bulb? If they hadn't kept trying one more time, who knows when it would have happened. But that's what we're having some of the kids read the older kids so that they see this as a struggle. It, it wasn't easy. No. Tell me more. Uh, we're just about ready to go, but I'd like you to tell me how they can contact you about Life STEM Academy and how they can find out what when they can get a kid in or how they can do that. Yeah. So Life STEM Academy is here in the mall, um, right across from Rumors. So we have locked doors and we're careful. Um, they, Life STEM Academy Grand Forks is on Facebook. And you can contact either me, um, I'm on Facebook too, you can contact Mary Dietrich, we're the two directors right now, and then Amos Tarfa, 
T-A-R-F-A, is in Moorhead. He has YouTube videos. He has all sorts of information about Life STEM Academy. Also, if you happen to be a retired instructor or someone with a specialty in a certain science or something, they can contact you if they'd like to teach yep. as well or mentor? We, yes. We had a lady contact us last week, and she turns out to be a reading specialist. So she's going to donate probably one or two hours a week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jean, as always, uh, it's, it's a topic near and dear, I know, to both of our hearts. An hour has just flown by. I would like to encourage everybody once again to consider Life STEM Academy and to take a deep dive into what your child is learning in public schools. And once again, a Monday has gone by. Common Sense Uncensored is saying, bye-bye, everybody. Wrong one.